Each week uh, through the month of October and all the way into November, till the end of November, we're going to be introducing some, some of our newest members. And um, I want to invite those folks, folks this, uh, for this morning who we're going to introduce, Debbie Yarnell and Mandy McNeil. Um, would you welcome them this morning? Well, these two guys were uh, our worship hosts last week and this week, um, and so we're, we're quickly putting them to work already. And I want to tell you a little bit about these folks, but let me remind you, one of the reasons we introduce them in small numbers is because we want you to remember their names. We want you to build a relationship with them. We used to do this when large mass with a whole bunch of people joined the church through a class at one time. Now we're doing them in small numbers so that you will, you will really get to know these people a little bit more. So I'm going to introduce them, and then we're going to pray over them. But when worship's done, hey, why don't you go up and shake their hand and say, welcome. I'm so glad you're part of the family. All right? So real quickly, I'm going to start over here. This is our worship host for today. This is Debbie Yarnell. And I was actually already talking about her um, last week when I talked about one of her gifts, the gift of hospitality. So she shows up early and gets coffee and donuts ready and stuff like that early. So thank you, Debbie. She's a northerner. She's a Yankee. Uh, grew up in, uh, you got some representing, I hear you. She grew up in Massachusetts. Um, when, you, when you ask her what's on her bucket list, she'll tell you she wants to go to Italy because she's Italian. And, um, and when you ask her what, <laughs> and when you ask her what she, um, what, what you might be surprised about is that she's got 13 grandchildren, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So Debbie, we love you. And, and then, and this is Mandy McNeil. Let me tell you a little, about, a little bit about Mandy. She was our worship host last week, and I preached a little bit about her last week. She has a huge gift of encouragement. Her spiritual gift is a gift. One of those is a spiritual gift of encouragement. Mandy's been working in HR for a long, long time, and um, she's done a lot of things that you might not know about. By the way, she's also a grandma. She might not look like it, but she is. And, um, and Mandy, actually, one of the things when you ask her that on her bucket list, she wants to go sailing one day. She hasn't done it yet. And she also, um, you, people might not know this about her, she used to be uh, in a teaching drama ministry role to children. She used to be a, a character actress who would, uh, who would go and portray different characters in preschools and that kind of thing. So she's a little dramatic. She's not the only dramatic person here at Harvest Point. All right. Hey, so this morning we're going to pray over them, and we're so glad that God has brought you all to this family. Would you stretch out a hand? Let's lay hands on this morning, and let's pray over these guys. Lord, we thank you for Debbie. We thank you for Mandy. We thank you for the families they represent. We thank you, Lord, for who they are in Christ. We thank you that they have been brought to this church by your Holy Spirit, and Lord, you have been growing them. You've been challenging them. You've been, you've been drawing them close to your heart. And we give thanks for that, Lord. And, and Lord, I thank you that they've already even found places of service here in the body. And, and Lord, I pray that their journey with this church would be a journey of deep growth. I pray you'd let them push roots down deep. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge them, that you'd push them, that you'd press them forward in the deeper things of faith. I pray, Lord, that they would find this place, this church to be a pray that this, this church would be a place of deep, abiding friendships, people that know them at the core of who they are. Help them give themselves those deep, lifelong friendships. And Lord, I pray also that this church would be a place where it's, it's another tool in their toolbox, another place where they can pull out and serve you, Lord. They can testify to you. They can live and shine for you. Lord, may this church be a place of, of ministry for them where they serve you. Grow them, I pray, and bless them. May your favor rest on them, we pray, Lord. We thank you for making them part of the body of Christ here at Harvest Point. In the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. amen. Church, welcome them for me one more time, if you will. We love you guys. 
Hey, if you have your um, uh, worship guide, inside you'll find a message outline. I want to invite you to grab that. We're going to be taking some notes and uh, filling in some blanks and underlining and, and doing some things with that outline this morning. So grab that, if you will, and grab a pen. And then I also want to invite you that if you have your, your phone or your iPad or your Android device or, or maybe you have your Bible, we want to invite you to turn scriptures. As a matter of fact, um, I was on the way to church this morning, and the Lord led me to read a scripture that we don't even have on the screen, okay? And so if you have your Bible, it's always a really good thing if you have your phone. Those of you who have iPhones and Androids, don't, don't forget that all of our notes that are right there for you on that piece of paper are also available with the Bible app, okay? So we have all of our stuff synced up with the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, so you can actually be taking notes on your device right here in church and actually uh, send some of those out. Any point that God teaches you about or you grow with or you're challenged on, you can share that out publicly on Facebook, and, and uh, it's a way of sharing your faith and Scripture on the Internet. Some of you guys have been doing that every week. You love that version Bible app, and that's awesome. That's there for you every week. All right, so today uh, we're talking about I Love My Church, right? We're in week four of I Love My Church, and I'm going to talk about some of the ways I love this church but before I get there, I want to share, kind of like I've been doing every week in this series, a metaphor with you, a picture, okay? And here's my metaphor this morning. It's a, it's a trunk, all right? Now, I brought a little smaller trunk, but it's a box. It's a, some people might call these things, if they're in their bigger version, a hope chest. And I just want you to think for a minute about the trunks that you've had in your life. Have you had some trunks? Have you kept some good stuff in some trunks somewhere in your house or can I tell you about my first trunk I ever had? It was the University of Georgia. It was completely red. It was about yay big. I, I got it when I was a freshman at the University of Georgia. My mom and dad went off and bought me a trunk. And in that trunk, it had a little lock and key on it. And I put all my blankets. It was the place where I had all my winter stuff, all right? And it, it stayed at the foot of my bed. I guess they knew this, this freshman at the University of Georgia was going to get cold in his dorm room. And so they just stockpiled it with stuff that could keep me warm. I kept that Georgia trunk forever, and it held a lot more than blankets over the years until the thing finally fell apart. If you were to go to my home in Augusta, Georgia today, you would find a hope chest that my mom bought for me. I guess maybe I was a junior or senior high school. She spent a lot of money on this very nice piece of furniture that would sit next to my bed. And if you went and looked inside that hope chest, Inside that hope chest for me are all the things in Augusta, Georgia that are some of the most important things for me. So you would find for me in my hope chest, you'd find all my annuals from all my years of high school and college. You'd find uh, souvenirs from my trips around the world. I've got all my Russian souvenirs and all my Korean souvenirs. All that kind of stuff is, is in my hope chest. And the reason I keep it there is one day I think my kids are going to want it. <laughs> one, thing, one day I think my kids are going to want to go through all those Russian hats that I bought while I was in Moscow and all those things. So what about your trunks? You see, hope chests and trunks, when we get those things, normally the idea is that we're going to put something of value in those trunks, in those, in those hope chests, something that means something to us, something we're holding on to. As a matter of fact, some of us might even stuff, we, like me, you have stuff in there that you actually want to pass down to generations. That's what we do with chests. That's what we do with trunks. Now, this morning, I brought a little one, but I hope by the end of this message, this metaphor, this trunk, this small hope chest is a source of hope, hope and life for some folks right here in our body. We'll come back to that in a little while. Now, we're studying the early church, right? We're studying the church in the book of Acts, and we've been saying, man, I love the church, but I know God loves the church. Here are the reasons why I love the church, 
But I know God wants me to love the church in ways maybe that I haven't even explored yet or go deeper with the way that God loves the church. So we've been turning back in the Bible and looking about what God has to say about the church and what God did in the church and then asking God to help us know more about how to really love the church His way. And so in the book of Acts this morning, that's where we're going to read from. So if you have your Bible or your iPad, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to read a scripture from Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse 32. And so this is what it says. All the believers, matter of fact, can we read this together? We haven't done that in a while. Let's read this together, full voice. Everybody can watch the screen together. We can read this together. Here we go. Ready? All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that were there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Read that last line one more time. I love that last line. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. You know, the early church was a church of great power. The early church was also a church of great favor. God's grace and His favor was over the early church. I didn't really plan to share this, but if you have your pen, you might want to write this down. When you think about the early church, there are three distinctive marks of power over the early church. God's power came through the church because of three very strong things. The first one was this. The early church was bold in its witness. I mean, the early church was sharing its faith. They were telling about the resurrection of Jesus. They weren't worried whether it was going to cost them reputation, life, or limb. They were bold in their witness. Another thing that the early church was, number two, was they were characterized by a great devotion to one another. They loved each other. They were, I mean, we just read it, right? They were selling houses and land. They were liquidating because of their love for one another. They were devoted to one another in a powerful way. And I know that blessed God's heart. But here's the third one. And this is what we're going to study from today. They were bold in their witness. They were, they were devoted to one another. And they were radical in their giving. They were radically generous. They were radical in their giving. Now, uh, this is a lot different from sometimes the church today or sometimes Christians today. We sound a lot different. We look a lot different than the early church, whether it's in our bold witness, our devotion to one another, or our radical generosity. Sometimes we look different. So how can we love the church? And how can we love the church even deeper by our giving? I'm a Disney fan. I've even preached about Disney for a whole summer, right? We took the Disney themes of the movies. And, and, and this might not be Disney. It might be Pixar. I get lost in all that kind of stuff. But there was a movie called Nemo, right? Have you seen Nemo, right? There's a, mo there's a movie in, in Nemo. And I wanted to show you a little clip of some seagulls that you probably remember in the movie. It's a very short clip. Maybe you would remember them. And this is what sometimes we sound like, all right? This, watch this one. Maybe you remember these seagulls. So here's what I want you to get right out of the gate. The early church was not like that. 
okay? They weren't like that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make you listen to that whole clip again. Because sometimes I think that's what God hears, all right? He hears Christians going around like, mine, 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 my mine, mine, my mine, and God just says, would you? All right, so listen to it one more time, all right? So listen, the early church was not like that. They were radical in their generosity. They saw needs and they were giving to those needs and, and they were engaged with their heart in huge, huge ways. And so we're going to break down that scripture we read full voice a few minutes ago, but I'm going to do it with a few points. So if you've got your pen... I want, you, I want to encourage you to round a, a couple of teaching points. And the first one is this. Write this one down. Number one, if I'm really going to give and love generously the way God wants me to give and love generously, I need to release my grip. Release my grip. Release my grip. Now, we talk about this a lot at Harvest Point, and I'm going to talk about it again, hoping that maybe you'll hear it in a whole new way. But if we're really going to love the church the way God loves the church, let's go back and look at how they were doing it in the first century church. It says in Acts 4.32, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Have you ever read scriptures before and you just sit back and you go, I mean, for real? (laughs) I mean, for real? Is that real? Sometimes I read scriptures, and if you're anything like me, you just read them and you go, wow. What would that look like? One more time. For no one, we're talking about Christ followers here, okay? Not, not just anybody. We're talking about the people who are following Jesus. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. The early church had a loose grip on stuff, okay? They had a loose grip on stuff. They, 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 they didn't think that they had to hold on to everything, that everything was mine, mine, mine. They didn't think that way. Now, you might look at that story, and you, you read that scripture, and it says, well, n- no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, and they were even giving it to others and sharing it with other people. And you might look at it, and you might give yourself an excuse out of that, for example. You might say, well, I mean, Stephen, did you see what they had? They didn't have a lot. I mean, they didn't have nearly. Have you seen our houses and our cars? Yeah, I, don't, but wait, wait, wait. Please understand, don't give yourself an excuse out of this. The early Christ followers, they had stuff just like we've got stuff, but they had a loose grip. Now, one of the things that we talk about here around Harvest Point, we talk about it a lot, is here's the truth. You might want to write this down somewhere. Stuff, the stuff you have is not yours. It's not ours. We are managers. We are not owners. And we read that and we talk about that here at Harvest Point all the time. We are managers and we're owners. God owns everything. He entrusts stuff to us. And we need to understand that God wants us to be good stewards. He wants us to be good managers. And when you read this story, you realize these people, I mean, they understood it. They were giving, they were giving and sharing their, their, their possessions with people when they saw great need. They were releasing their grip. Help me out here for a minute. Whenever I'm counseling somebody that's dealing with anger issues, oftentimes I give them a metaphor and I invite them just to take their hands like a clenched fist and ball them up. Would you do that with me real quickly? Just take your fist, ball them up right where you're at. And I really want you to ball them up hard like you're about to hit something. You got it? I mean, can you make a stronger fist than that? That's my question. Can you do stronger than that? Now, when you get that, I want you to hold that for a second, all right? And while I'm talking to them about anger, what I talk to them about, Bo, come on, man, man up. Harder. Harder. I mean, hold on to it. 
you know what you, you know what you're going to realize is one of the things I try to teach people about this anger thing is over time, I mean, keep it, keep it tight. Over time, it becomes problematic. It becomes, becomes burdensome. It becomes painful, doesn't it? Now watch this, watch this. Release it. Wow, takes me a little while to even release mine when I've been holding them that tight. Isn't this a much better way to live? Not filled with all that tension, all that anger, but free, free, really free. Can I just tell you something when it comes to our stuff? That same teaching mechanism that I teach people about with anger could be said with stuff. I mean, so often we don't live life like this understanding that God wants us to have open hands and open hearts. So often, we live like the seagulls, right? We live with these tight hands. Mine, 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 mine. And we don't understand the bondage, the tension, the struggle that it brings us. We don't even understand it. We're just gripped really tightly. What I, want, what I think God wants to teach us this morning was we look at that early church in the book of Acts. These people were not tight-fisted. They were not, they were not tense up about things. It was not about everything being their own. They had released their grip. I'm going to show you in a second with a scripture that's not even going to be in your outline, but I'll invite you to turn with me. Some beautiful stories about some people who were doing this at a, at a deeper level, but they had released their grip. Matter of fact, let's turn there real quickly. You got 2 Corinthians? Can you get your Bible? 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 8. I was driving to church this morning, and whenever I start to preach about stuff, whether that stuff is our talents, our skills, our money, our houses, our cars, whatever that stuff is, whenever I start to teach about stuff, and even whenever when I, frankly, whenever I think about my own stuff, my heart goes back to a story found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that actually is one of these scriptures where I read it, it blows me away. These people are my heroes, okay? Watch what happens in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And Fred, I don't know if you can get there. If you get there, that's great. You can turn, put it on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, uh, it says this. And Paul, by the way, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, okay? He's writing to some people that have been phenomenal in ministry, the fame of their faith has spread, but now he's writing back to them to challenge them to step up in their giving to the poor Christ followers more than they already have. And watch what happens. He says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Whenever I start to talk about money and stuff, my, my heart goes back to the story of the Macedonian Christians. The Macedonian Christians found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is a story of people who were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. They were, they were from Macedonia, and they, were, they had trusted Christ with their life, and they were undergoing great persecution because of their newfound faith in Christ. And look what happened to them. It's a phenomenal story. Never forget what we're about to read, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Listen to this. This blows me away. In the, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That one scripture alone blows me away. In the middle of a severe trial, that's the persecution for their faith. Look at what they had. They had, they, they go back, they had overflowing joy in the midst of trial the Bible says the Macedonian people had overflowing joy, and in their extreme poverty, they were struggling to even live in the midst of it. It welled up with rich generosity. They were giving phenomenally. Now watch this. The Bible says in the next verse, for I testify, 
that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. Watch this. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. That, that means that's their salvation. And then, I love this, and then by the will of God also to us. He's saying they gave themselves to the Lord and then they understood God just didn't give them salvation and put them on planet earth to be a saved soul. He put them on planet earth to be part of a family. And they gave themselves to us as part of the family. Oh my goodness, Lord, let us get this. They gave themselves to us. And then it says this, so we urged Titus, just as he had early made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Now he's talking to the Corinthian church. He says, Titus is coming your way. Watch this. But since you excel in everything, these Corinthians, they were smart people. They were educated people. They were, they were pretty rich. He says, but since you excel in everything, you excel in your faith, you excel in speech, you excel in knowledge, you excel in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace, in this grace of giving. He's teaching them something here, okay? He's saying, look at the Macedonian people. They don't even have much. And they're overflowing, and I'm seeing God's grace well up inside them, and they're giving way more than we ever dreamed that they could for people who are suffering and people who are poor. Now, what about you? He said, you have been blessed with a lot. He says, I want, I want you to excel. He's, in, he's not, listen, this is not a church offering. He's not saying, hey, I need your money. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want to see you excel so much in the faith. I want you to grow up so big. I want you to be so strong. I want you to excel in this grace of giving like I'm seeing happening in them. Now, watch this next verse. I am not commanding you. He says, I'm not commanding you. He's, by the way, as an apostle, he could have commanded them to do something over the church. He said, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. <laughs> Let me pause there for a minute. In our New Connections class, when people come to Harvest Point for one of the first times and they take our, our class, at, at one point in the place, we talk about the greatest test of maturity is not how much you pray, not how much you read your Bible. It's actually, what does your checkbook look like? What does your giving look like? What does that really look like? Because that, I mean, I, many times I, I've talked about, I, I have my wallet with me this morning, and we talk about how whenever you reach for your wallet, it has like a little chain tied to your heart. Have you ever, remember that? Remember we talk about that? And every time you grab your wallet, it's like a little chain. Okay, you know. Pay him a cable bill, a little bit of my heart there, okay? Jesus said, where your heart is, your treasure there will be also, right? And so what I want you to realize, Paul is testing their heart. He's testing their heart. He says the sincerity and your earnestness. Now watch this next verse. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, he for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And then he closes it out, a couple, couple last verses here, he says, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, <laughs> last year you were first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Evidently, the year before, the Corinthian church said, let us give. We want to be first. We want to, we want to do great things, you know. You, you were not only the first to give, but you also to have the desire to do so. And then watch this. He says, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Last verse. For if the willingness is there, 
The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. He was basically saying, don't look at somebody else and say, well, they have more than me. I don't, I don't have very much. He says, base your own heart, your own sincerity, your own love to be able to give. Base it on what you have. Don't worry about your neighbor. Look at what you have. And that will be the willingness that you're able to test. So what are we talking about here? I, I love this Macedonian story. I, I love how these Christians were challenging, and their story became a challenging story even to the Corinthian church to be able to love by giving. Looking at the need, there were people who were being, who were being persecuted, people who were in poverty, love by giving and love by serving them. First point, number one, one more time. Release your grip. You are not an owner. I am not an owner. <laughs> I'm a manager. I'm a steward. You want to love by giving? Second step. Look at this one. Open your eyes. This is very simple stuff this morning, but it has profound impact, all right? Open your eyes. Look at what happened right here. It, it, the, the early church was not keeping hope chests. The early church was not keeping, um, you know, uh, chests or, or, or these kind of trunks. They were actually liquidating. The Bible says in Acts 4, 34 and 35, there were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet. This is amazing. They were, they were taking the stuff they had, they were evaluating it, and they were looking at a need over here, and they were saying, listen, I can take this, and, and, and it can leverage so much more over there, and at the same time, do a good work in me. I'm going to let that happen. Now, I want to call a little time out in my message here for a minute. And I want to talk about y'all. Because it's one thing to talk about the Macedonian church. And it's another thing to talk about the Corinthian church. But I want to, I want to talk about the church in Locust Grove called Harvest Point for a minute. When I read stories like that right there, right there where it says they, they saw the need and they responded to the need. They even went out and sold houses and land and they laid at the apostles' feet. My mind goes back to what's been happening in this church for about the last four or five years. I, some of you guys were a part of that. Now, some of you guys have been brand new. You saw this building built, being built. You came and joined us, and that's wonderful. But I want to tell you the story in case you don't know the story. A few years ago, when the economy collapsed and so many lives changed, we still knew God had a good work to do in this church that we could not see stop because of a fallen economy. And so despite the odds, the leaders of our church came to the body and said, let's give towards the good work God's done for this early church, and let's build. And that was hard to think about doing in the middle of a fallen economy of 2009, 2010, and 2011. But I remember this moment, and I'm glad you're keeping that up there for us because we literally saw this. I mean, folks, I mean, we had a piece of land given to us that, that was worth more than $100,000, and it blessed in, in, the, in the building of this building. We had people that, I mean, one person gave a family heirloom of a, of a diamond ring. Another person gave a motorcycle. Another person gave a, a mink coat. Somebody gave their baseball card collection. People started looking, and they said, hey, listen, I'm going to respond. And here's what I want to tell you. I love the generosity of this church. I love your hearts because every time I have, I have invited you to a need, you have stepped out and met the need. And I don't just mean in a building campaign or to build a building. I mean, some of you have been around here long enough, you remember me telling you one, one Sunday morning, you came to church in the rain, 
in the rain, and I challenged you that morning, when we were reading stories like the Macedonian church, I challenged you to give your shoes away, come and lay them on the altar, and go home barefooted. How many of you remember that? Do you remember that? I mean, y'all probably thought I was crazy. And by the way, I thought I was crazy because I'm on the way to church, and God whispers to me, tell them to give up their shoes. I wanted to hit the brakes, pull over in the parking lot, and say, Come on, are you kidding me? It's raining outside. And you know what I did? I I tried to do what God told me to do. And I'll never forget a mama's shoes and a daddy's shoes and little baby shoes sitting right in the middle of it. I'll never forget folks come up to me telling me they had bought shoes the day before, warm to church because they're their brand new shoes. And that day, God said, give your shoes away. And guys, it was, if you were part of that, you saw a miraculous, awesome thing, and it affected our hearts. It was more than our shoes. It was about our hearts. And what I've seen in this church over and over again, I could tell you time after time where I looked at you guys and I said, here's a need with the poor. We had a family lose their house because their house burnt down. I think our church was like three years old when this happened. Their house burned down, and we responded generously to try to give them, give them, because they had nothing. They had nothing, and we were the response. We were the first line of response for them. This has happened time and time again. I mean, just in the past year, the land next door became available. We didn't have the money to buy the land. We just moved on to this property, right? And that, that land became available, and we said, we've got to grab it right now in foreclosure. What, what did you guys do? I mean, generously, you guys said, for the Lord, tighten the belt. I mean, let's do what we can, and you guys have responded generously time after time. And I'm going, to re- I'm going to ask you to respond generously this morning. But let's don't get there yet. What are we talking about in the second point? If you really want to grow to become a lover of the church, like I think God wants us to all to be, and remember, there's a little caveat to that. Some of us have been hurt by the church. Some of us have seen the church done the wrong way. I thank God you're in a church right now that is a healthy church, a life-giving church, doesn't have all that junk going on. But I'm so sorry if you've been hurt before. But don't let that stop you from hearing the good news and the message about who God wants us to become today. He doesn't want us to be these people who are tight-fisted, always saying, mine, 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 mine. And he also wants us to be a people with eyes wide open, looking around and saying, what is the need? What is the need? And that's my challenge to you in this second point. Your eyes wide open, looking around, what is the need? Now, I'm not just talking about a church. I'm talking about you. If you call yourself a Christ follower, that means you're going to live this week trying to have eyes wide open to look around the need with it. It might be a coworker that's in need. And everybody else, nobody's paying attention to the need of a coworker, but you, you know the need. You might be a student in high school and you have a, a, a neighbor in need. And you, hey, listen, you don't even have money, but you can help a need with a fellow student. Are you keeping your eyes open? Are you looking around at all the need around you? Here's the greater challenge. What would happen in this church? Listen. What would happen in this church if we got to know each other so well, if we gave ourselves in relationship as brothers and sisters so well, that you actually, you actually knew the need of the people across the aisle? You knew them so well. You, you were not ashamed. You were not hesitant. When you felt there was a need there, you asked them, what is the need? And you helped meet the need. See, I think that's what was happening in the early church. There were people in need. They were opening their eyes. And they were not even, they were not, you remember we talked about the fences? They were not holding fences between one another. They were, they were crossing fences and going, what is your need? How might I be able to help your need? 
and here's my need. And together they were sharing their need with one another. It means opening your eyes. And by the way, I think God blesses it when you and I live lives with hands wide open and eyes wide open, looking at the need all around us. Those early Christians own land and houses, but then they sold them and they brought them and they gave them away. Now, I'm not asking you to go home and do that today. I'm not going to ask you to, but I am going to ask you, what would it look like if you had your eyes wide open and if you saw a need and you could meet a need? Now, here's the third thing. Releasing our grip, hands open, eyes wide open, looking for need. Write this one down. Giving with our hearts. Giving with our hearts. The Bible says this in Acts 4.33. With great power, if you got your pen, you might want to underline that. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace, might want to underline that, was so powerfully at work in them. And then if you have your pen, you might want to just go circle those words power. Is there twice? Did you notice? There was power in the testimony, and, and God's grace was powerfully at work in these people. So what was happening? Now here, I'll just be, let's just cut it down to the core. Here's what was happening. Those early Christians had ditched, ditched the um, mine mentality and the mine, mine, mine practice. They ditched that. It wasn't going to be about that. I'm not going to live that way. They had open hands. They had open eyes. They were looking for the need. And now their hearts were responding out of it. And what was the result? The result was great power great power in the church. Can I just tell you as a pastor, I've told you before, listen, if I want our church to be built on two great things, one of, one of those is love. I want to be a great loving church. I want us to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that vertical relationship. And I want us to love our neighbors as ourselves. I want us to be a loving church, and I want us to be a generous church. But that, that's the top two, okay? But you know what I wouldn't mind if God threw in? Power. I'd like to be a powerful church. I'd like to be an eternally powerfully church, powerful church. But here's what I've learned. If we do those other things really well, God blesses his power. Whenever you love really well and whenever you give very well, power comes from it. And that's what's happening in this scripture. God's power is flowing through the testimony and through the good work that God's seeing. I mean, God is blessed. The Father is blessed when he sees his children doing this. And I love this. Watch this, 435, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. They were giving to one another. Hey, 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 watch this, watch this. The church, we give all the time to things beyond the church, all right? It's, we talk all the time about how we serve beyond the four walls. Don't miss the point here. This is not a for other people. This is not for the poor or for those who don't know Jesus yet. This is for the Christians, they were giving to the Christians right there. They were giving to their own family as they sold houses and they sold land. They were laying at the apostles' feet. They were giving to the brothers and sisters who had need. They were giving to fellow Christians. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And one, they were giving to one another, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. That's a beautiful picture of the family being the family. Now, here's my question for us today, and here's where I want to push you, Okay. I love to read scripture and then ask this question. If they did it, why can't we do it? So here's what I want to challenge you. Let's don't think about what's happening beyond the walls. Let's don't think about the poor of the, on the streets of Atlanta today. Let's don't think about those who've not been evangelized 
Who, let's, let's don't think about all the other needs. Let's do the Acts 4 thing today, and I want you to think about nothing more than this very room. This room. Let me say that a little differently. I wonder what deep needs are right here in the family today. I wonder who has a need that you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know how I'm going to get that met. And I'm wondering what needs are here today. And here's the courageous, bold, biblical, radical thing that I want, to, I want you to consider doing with me this morning. You see this hope chest? I'm going to invite you, like I'm going to do myself, to consider what you have on you today. Now, you know what? This morning, I'm not going to go out and sell my house or sell my land and lay it at the apostles' feet. I'm not going to do that. But you know what I do have? I have $6 on me. <laughs> it's not a lot. And some change. And I wonder about you. I wonder if by coming to a little bucket, by coming to a little hope chest, by coming to a, a little trunk, if you might look at your wallet or look at your purse, if you might see that change and see those dollars, watch this, and I wonder what would happen if today we said, you know what, I'm just going to put stuff in there. And it's going to be for some need. And I don't know what the need is. But somebody in this room here is going to get the need. Well, like I've done before, I want to challenge the Macedonian, Corinthian, Harvest Point Church to be generous. And then we're going to do something with it, okay? So there it is. Open hands. Open eyes. Open heart. If you want to give, come and give. Now let me share a couple of things. If you don't learn anything else from this, I want you to learn something. If we see it can happen in the book of Acts, we can still see it happen today. We can still see it happen today. So a few thoughts that I have with you, Oscar. A few thoughts that I have for you. Number one, if you're new to Harvest Point, we normally don't take offering like this. It's kind of, wow, that was neat, wasn't it? Wasn't that awesome? Secondly, I don't know what the needs are either. But I know they're here in this body. And, and you might not can see all this, and I don't even know but there's a lot there because you guys have been very generous. You know what we're going to do? We're going to be very trusting today. In the same way that we've been very generous, we're going to be very trusting. And the folks who receive this offering today, we're just going to ask them to do it with great honesty. I mean, 
you don't have to go too far back in my messages to remember what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, right? So we, 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 we're, gonna, we're just going to trust that some folks who have great need are going to be honest. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take your gifts, and I'm just going to put them over here on the far right, the far left side of the platform. I'm just going to leave them here. And if you have a need in your life today, the body of Jesus just gave to your need, and you didn't even know that you were coming to church to have people give to you this morning. How awesome is that? And we'll put a little notebook right here with it. And if you have a need, when worship's all done today and, and, and we've baptized folks and we're all heading out of the parking lot, before you leave, why don't you come get what you need? And right here on this piece of paper I've written here, here is my need met by the body of Christ. And why don't you just tell us what your need was and what you got today. And you write it down. Let us know how the body of Christ met your need. And here's the deal. If you get here and it's all gone, then you get on that piece of paper in that little journal and you write down right there, and here is my need that I am believing God for a miracle for. And you trust God that he will meet that need even if all of that's gone for you. You trust God for it. And final thoughts, too. I think when we don't live with mind, 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 and we have open grips, open eyes, and open hearts, I think our Father's so pleased. But secondly, I just have to say this. Thank you for being the church. I'm proud to be your pastor. I'm proud that we give together and together we can do far more than we ever could by ourselves. And I'm glad that we are loving and loving and continuing to grow more in love with the church by our giving. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning let Acts 4 happen for us. We have given and now we trust. And whatever the needs are in the body of Christ, let those folks not leave here when you have supplied it by grace, let them come forward and receive. When all the service is done, and let them thank you, even as they write in that journal about how you met their need. And we thank you that you're real. And we thank you that your word is true. And we thank you that you are still doing deep, abiding, eternal things in our hearts. Oh, Jesus, this week, help us live with open eyes and open hands and open hearts to the world. In so doing, we will have been like you. We will be like you, Jesus, for this is how you lived every day. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Hey, church, would you stand with me?